Hey, this is Wyo, and I'm just letting you know that the first 10 minutes or so of this episode sound a little bit weird. That's my bad. I left my mic set on bi-directional from an audition I was taping earlier in the day and forgot to switch it to cardioid. So I learned my lesson. It's a great episode, so I didn't want to cut a minute of it. Enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. Welcome to Sex Stories, a podcast where we tell intimate stories about the most intimate parts of our lives in an effort to increase communication around sex everywhere. I am Wiley, and today my guest is Brooke. Welcome, Brooke. I'm so happy to be here. Will you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, just whatever background information you feel comfortable sharing so they can know who they're listening to? Sure. So I am currently in a four-year-long non-monogamous relationship. My relationship before that was non-monogamous as well. I'm queer. I am a makeup artist in Los Angeles. I spent about seven years in New York City, and I've been in LA for about six. And um, I used to work as a pro-dom for a couple of years. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, I'm so excited to know more. It was it was pretty great. <laughs> a lot of it was great. Some of it sucked, but a lot of it was great. Okay. Well, I hope you give us details on everything. First, can you take us way, way back and tell us your uh, like a mini origin story? Like what were your early... Sure. Um, I, I grew up in a pretty liberal Jewish family in Miami. Mm-hmm. I grew up with gay uncles on both sides. And I also grew up going to a lot of theater schools all the time. So like theater summer camp and middle school and high school and pre-college. So queerness was kind of always super present in my life and it totally wasn't a big deal, which is amazing, Yeah, Uh, which made everything else a lot easier. There's, There's this picture of me when I'm like maybe a year and a half and I'm sitting in this big rocking chair and I'm looking very seriously at this book and on the cover in big letters, it says, raising sexually healthy children. That's amazing. (laughs) And like I, not to be weird about it, but I think that was a priority of my parents and I think they did pretty well. I've never really had like intense hangups about stuff. So yeah. Did they give you sex talks pretty, like what do you remember about talking about sex in your household? I remember when I was five, I was already reading. And so I asked about babies and my mom handed me this book that had like naked adults, but like drawn. And it was just very, you know, they were like a a dumpy bald dude in his forties and his equally dumpy wife. And it was just like, this is the penis. This is the vagina. This where it goes. And this is what happens. And it was kind of just laid out there. Um, which was a good idea because I got all the facts. But what my mother didn't anticipate was that I would memorize passages from the book and recite them to strangers. Oh my God. Do you remember any of them now? Oh God, no. <laughs> but I mean, you know. A penis they, goes in the vagina. Exactly. Hey, did you know this lady at the grocery store? <laughs> that's amazing. That's a fun child. Oh, that's awesome. So growing up then, were you in touch with all sides of your sexuality or what was that kind of I don't want to say the word flowering. What was that progression like for you? Um, I, my mom actually had to have like a talk with our pediatrician because I started like masturbating publicly at a very early age and she didn't want to like fuck me up. So she's like, what do I do? She can't do this. So it was kind of explained to her that she has to explain to me that just like bath time there's a time and a place for doing that and it's totally okay, but you should be, you know, by yourself 
husband, you should, you know, just have your own private time. And uh, I had this bed, this metal framed bed. And honestly, by the time I graduated high school, anytime you moved, the entire bed would creak because I had like spent so long in the bed, like furiously <laughs> masturbating that I had just like worn all the inches loose. <laughs> That's and like amazing. my parents could hear it like outside my room. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh. yeah, just like, you know, just, just doing my thing. And, um, I, in sixth grade or seventh grade, I had heard the term pornography. So what did I do? I went home and I searched it on the family computer, not realizing that history was a thing. Oh, yeah. So my mom wasn't super thrilled about that. But my dad, he, he actually took it really well. He was just kind of like, have you done this on anyone else's computer? I was like, no. And he goes, okay, I get it. You're too young to see stuff like this. So don't do it again. And that was kind of all that was said about it. And did you? Did you listen or did you keep exploring? I, I listened. Actually, what I ended up doing was in high school, I would take this small mirror, maybe like a foot high and like six inches wide. And I would pile pillows up at the base of my bed and I would prop it up so I could see the reflection of my vulva. Mm -hmm. And I would like watch that and get off to watching myself. Like I couldn't yeah. see my face. It was just like the pure genital, yeah. I guess. Was it as you touched? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what, <laughs> when you started touching yourself, what kind of touching did you do? Like what, what well, what's your method of masturbation? Okay. How so, it so the first method, I would be face down on the bed, my knees spread. So I'm kind of like in this frog squat face down on the bed. And I would like push my, like the, my mom's pubis right on top of where my clit is against the palm of my hand. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of like hump the palm of my hand. Mm -hmm. And that was the first me method. And then I read somewhere about what a vibrator was. And then I said, hey, I have an electric toothbrush. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. I was, I was, I was ratchet. It was yes. real. I did that. Wait, so like, like, did you put, not the brushing in, you didn't use the brushing in, like no, the vibration no, it, of the whole thing. It, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. And so what that ended up developing into is now in my sex life, I usually prefer a lot of external stimulation mm -hmm. rather than internal stimulation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just because those were my two like main methods growing up that I just like happily found. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was, okay. So early explorations and acceptance to now this polyamorous relationship what lies in between <laughs> god um <laughs> well so much. i i will say that my mom made it clear to me that when it came to losing my virginity i should wait until it was someone i trusted and loved mm. which i actually ended up doing mm. and i really waited until i was ready and he bless his heart college boy who had never had sex he didn't pressure me ever at all he was basically like you let me know when you're ready and i'll be on board so you know i waited until we'd been dating three months and we were really in love and then i said okay i'm ready and so it was sort of this like ideal losing your virginity experience which i think just kind of added onto that base of, oh sex is like a really positive thing and there's nothing wrong with it and it can be 
you know, a sense of connection. Um, and then in general, the two main thoughts that I had in that first, you know, first love, you're 18 in college and you meet this person, you think, oh, forever. Um, but a couple things I noticed was, A, I was really glad that I was an actor because I thought, well, even though I'm going to be with this guy forever, I'll still get to kiss other people and it will be totally fine. That's great. What a great career choice I've made. That's amazing. So there was that. And also, um, I've never been a very jealous person. Um, you know, when I, when I walk into a party with someone and other people hit on them, I'm just like, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You like the person I came in with? I know. You're yeah. super sexy. Yeah. And I'm just like really proud. Yeah. Um, so he lived in California when I lived in Miami, when we went home for the summer and I actually brought up the idea of like, Hey, when we're far apart, like it's okay if something happens with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my first foray into that. And he was on board with that. Yeah. He was actually really relieved. I think cause you know, we were 19 and in love. And I think both of us thought that maybe this is who I'll be with forever. Yeah. And I think he was, we were both already thinking, well, if that's the case, then I don't want to be like resentful later on that I didn't get to have any more experience. Um, so yeah, not much happened on either end, but like <laughs> the opportunity was there and it was, it was put out there. Um, So then, you know, that relationship ended. I had a few other relationships. Um, I had one where I was cheated. The first relationship where I was ever cheated on, I ended up cheating on him as well because for six months he had sort of like constantly accused me of cheating. Oh, right. He, he had, he had been, you know, previous relationship fucked him up also an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so eventually I was like, well, if I'm going to, if this, I'm going to go through this, I might as well earn it. So one night I was browsing on Craigslist and this was back in like 2007, 2008, like when Craigslist was, you know, still sketchy, but there was more available on it. And I saw the couple looking for a threesome section and I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. Weird. And so I just started reading them. And a lot of them were absolute nonsense. Like "Hey, girl, me and my lady are trying to, you know, just <laughs> stupid shit, three lines. And then I came on one that was like four paragraphs, perfectly spelled and typed, mm. no grammatical errors. They really talked about themselves and they attached pictures and their pictures were great. So I kind of reached out to them on a whim and I ended up, uh, cheating on that boyfriend by having a threesome with this couple I met off of Craigslist. Uh, so like not super mature, but also like, it's just what happened. I get that. Yeah. So then I had another long-term relationship where he injured his back at some point during the relationship. And so our sex life dropped off dramatically. And so I, started hooking up with women, but only women. And again, this was cheating, totally not cool and not acceptable behavior. And I'm not proud of it. Um, but that's what ended up happening. Mm -hmm. I think somewhere in my brain, I justified with that stupid justification that like, Oh, if it's not a dick, it doesn't count, which is absolute bullshit by the way. But 
you know, back then I just, I had no idea what I was doing. I've also dealt with depression since I was about 18. Mm -hmm. So acting out is not unheard of for me. You know, like when you have super low self-esteem and you don't think well of yourself, then you don't hold yourself to great standards because, you know, why bother if you're just going to disappoint yourself anyway? Does that make sense? Total sense. So then I got into a long distance relationship, New York to Los Angeles, and we're both very physical people. So when we agreed to start this relationship, we said that, no, we can't just not have sex for four months at a time. That's crazy. So that was the first time I actually really tried a non-monogamous relationship, like full out. Mm -hmm. And although that relationship didn't work out, I noticed that being non-monogamous kind of brings a lot of things into your relationship that I found very positive. You have to be extremely communicative. You have to sort of trust your partner. You have to have a lot of self-confidence. You need to challenge your own ego. There's just a lot of like personal challenges and victories Mm -hmm. that I found really appealing. So when that relationship ended very abruptly, when I got back out into the dating scene, I kind of put on my OkCupid profile that I was not looking to date monogamously. And one of the first people I met ended up being my now partner. Mm. He had never been non-monogamous, but he was interested in it. And I sort of walked him through everything and we figured stuff out together. And now I feel like we're in a really, really solid place. That's wonderful. And he never wants to go back to monogamy. So I mean, win for us. I get that. So Will you talk a little bit about what it was like to walk him through or or what your what you've discovered or any big highlights of your sure. non-monogamous relationship? Sure. Well, first it, you know, something something a term that's very well known in the poly community is called NRE, which is new relationship energy, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that whew, a lot of adrenaline and a lot of oxytocin and you know, I kind of didn't want to be with anyone else for a few months, which is fine. Like listening to your body and what you want is really important. Um, So we kind of played around with the idea and slowly it would be like, oh, maybe I'll go on a date. Maybe he'll go on a date. That was still a little emotionally difficult for him. So we went to the next best thing, which was very easy for him, which was having threesomes with women. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> it's funny how that's always <laughs> so easy for dudes. Soup, I mean, it's not easy for every dude. Not, that's true. not every guy can like handle that. Honestly. Um, I also think it's harder for the guy if the women are straight mm. because then what they're doing with each other is for him or just right. for show. Oh, interesting. I don't think I've personally encountered that situation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have. And there's a reason that now I'm very picky when we do still have group sex with anyone else. Mm -hmm. I'm very picky about who we do it with because I've been in the position too many times of her being a lot more straight than I am. Mm. And so not really feeling it with me or wanting to engage with me the same way I am with her, you know, like a bit of a pillow princess. And then she's all about the dick and I'm like, the fuck dude. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What is a pillow princess? Oh, a pillow princess in the queer or lesbian world with women is basically someone who will take, take, take oral from one person. So you're laying back on the pillows, but then you don't reciprocate. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Exactly. Don't want that. Not don't want a pillow prince either. No. Don't no want pillow anybody. <laughs> no pillow people. No. But maybe like a literal pillow person, but like to snuggle with. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, not fun. Got it. So we started with threesomes with women, which was super easy for me because I'm queer and I was like, sweet. No more just dick. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we branched into threesomes with men. My partner is not queer and mm-hmm. he's not into men. Mm-hmm. And what I will say being the middle of the Eiffel Tower, as it were, yeah, <laughs> is that if if you're a woman and you have two men who are attracted to women in there with you, yeah. guess who gets all of the attention? Me. Yes. Because I, I want that so bad. Oh my I God, you get all that. of it. And you get anything you want because they're just happy to be there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because my, my current partner is a straight male and mm. he's not into dudes. But he is open to the idea of fulfilling one of my fantasies. Oh my God, do it. I'm so excited. Oh my God, do it. Find another dude that you I don't know how to find them. I'm scared of finding people. Or what do you use? What's Oh, Field that used to be Thrinder. Thrinder, yes. Yeah. I can never Um, remember. Field is okay. I will say that the app itself is incredibly buggy and hard to deal with. And also the people on there tend to be super aggressive, like Mm. right out the gate, like- how big a cock can you take or how big is your man or like, like just instead of like a hello, it's just like, yeah, I don't have to be in love with the person, but I need yeah, some no, connection. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of how I am too. I need okay. to like you as a person. I yeah. want to be around you with your clothes on Yes. in order to want to be around you when your Same. clothes are off. Yeah. Um, but honestly, well, you know, there's poly meetups that you can go to. And you can meet people like that. Regular old Tinder just works too. Oh. And you can sort of start that conversation. Just be like, hey, so this is something I might be into. How do you feel about it once mm. you work up a little bit of comfort with someone? Or just, you know, personal referrals. Great. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I guess once you start making friends in the community, you have right. more options. And also, like, I can't tell you how many times like a coworker or a friend will be bitching about like, oh my God, I haven't had sex in forever. I haven't had good sex in forever. And I'm just like, girl, do you want to borrow my man? Cause like, he's amazing. Really? <laughs> I, I wish they would take me up on it, but most people are super have. uncomfortable with oh, that. But like he- That's so sweet of yeah, you. Well, I mean like he, he eats pussy better than anybody I've ever been with, mm. like in my life. So amazing. I'm just like, you look like you could use that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. How do you guys navigate all of the sexual health stuff? Like, do you initiate conversations or talk a little bit about what those conversations are like for for our listeners? We do initiate conversations. So I have HSV-1, which is the cold sore virus. Mm -hmm. I have that too. So do 80% of people, which is what I found out when I did a lot of research on it when I had my first like sore. Oh yeah. Well, um, and the doctor calls you and is like, so you have herpes type one. They just yeah. said that to me over the phone. I was like, I what? And, and then they were like, means you get cold sores. And I was like, oh yeah, I knew that. Okay. But, yeah. I, yeah, there, there's, there's a big difference between the two, but either way, like, even if it is HSV2, like it's just another skin thing. It's not life-threatening. Honestly, like a lot of STIs are really overblown in terms of like how much they affect your health and how much they affect your life. They're super, super stigmatized. Yes. But that is a conversation that both of us will always have. It's like, hey, here's my status. Here's what's going on with me. Is there anything about you that I should know about? Because it's not necessarily a deal breaker, Mm -hmm. but in order to give full consent, it has to be informed consent. Great. And when do you do that? Like at what point in the conversation do you bring it up? Usually I bring it up 
when I've decided that I want to sleep with that person. Sometimes it'll be like in the night before I think it's going to happen. Sometimes it'll be in text conversation a few days before. You kind of have to feel it out. And honestly, it's a great litmus test because if you're up front with somebody and they freak out that you're even talking about it, you're like, oh, I shouldn't sleep with you. Right. Because <laughs> if you're not comfortable talking, yeah. like this is a reality. Yeah. Also, my partner and I are fluid bonded, which means we don't use condoms between the two of us, mm -hmm. but we use um, physical protection with everybody, everybody else. else. Yes. Exactly. Yep. yep. That is the same with me and my master. Awesome. Yeah. Will you please tell me a little bit about being a dom? Sure. And like what, um, like your, your whole journey. There's so many things I want. I also want to know a thousand <laughs> details about like any other stories you have well, with your man, but just any, any details you want. Cause you know, I have mostly nothing but good things to say. So oh it's God, great I advertising for him at this point. <laughs> um, but the Dom thing came about, I was looking for gigs on Craigslist mm -hmm. and I saw this ad and it said, are you a tall, beautiful, intelligent woman who doesn't mind taking money from men? You're like, yeah. I was like, Hey, so I reached out to this guy and he basically, he, and he's done this with a lot of other people that I know. He would like train female, w tr he would train women how to be doms basically. And then he would provide a space. He would provide the toys and the tools and things like that. And he would just take, you know, like 40 bucks an hour for every hour that you had a client in there. And he would put up the back page ads for you and like do that whole thing. It was very involved. And it, that relationship professional relationship. It started out being great, but the side effect is he also really just hates people. Oh. Um, so the energy there got a little weird mm. and, you know, he, he was talking to me like I was a sub and I said, no, we're, we're business partners. Yeah. This is, that's not how this works. Yeah. But in the time I was doing it, it was very eye opening just because I had sort of played with power play before. I had been with a partner who had domish tendencies. Mm -hmm. And personally, I tend to be more of a switch, mm -hmm. which means that I enjoy being both dominant and submissive. Mm -hmm. But to really get into the psychology of it and to find out what my personality and doming style was, it turns out even when I'm being mean, it comes from a very nurturing place. Yeah. And really wanting to give the person what they need within the context of the fantasy of this is what I want for me. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you're being paid, like you have to do the things they want to do. Yep. But I ended up enjoying a lot of it anyway. So what kinds of things? Like, okay. So, tell us the so on, on the ads, uh, on the ads he would post, it would say all the things I was willing to do. And those things include verbal humiliation physical torture, specifically CBT, which stands for cock and ball torture, key holding, which means that their genitals are put in a cock cage that it, you know, you think you can still shower and pee, but they can't get an erection. It's in the shape of a flaccid penis. And then oh there's God. a lock on it and I hold the key to that lock at all times. So for that's how, for at all times, how long? Like, that's an ongoing relationship. Oh my God. So like, oh, I hold this key so you don't ejaculate until I see you next week. And that's a heavy maybe, you know, like, like that. So it's very much doming from afar as well as just in the session that we have. Cool. I, I did some golden showers, not much. And I did a little bit of pegging. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and pegging is where a woman puts on a strap on and has sex with a man in his butthole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've done that. It's so fun. I think it's so oh fun. Oh my God, it's so fun. I love butt stuff. I got into butt stuff when I met my master about uh, almost two years ago. And it took me a while, but now I'm like, oh, yeah, both ends. Like both sides. But, yeah. <laughs> but literally. <laughs> See, I love doing butt stuff to other people. And like, I wish I liked butt stuff more than I do on me. Mm-hmm. Like the idea is super hot, mm-hmm. but then the sensation, sensation is just like, nope, shut it down. I have, Not- I have days where I'm like so turned on by the idea. And then as soon as a finger gets close, I'm like, stop it. Don't touch me. Right. Like- and then, but then other days it's like amazing. And now I am experienced enough that I can kind of track the differences in my body hmm. and know like, oh, today's not a... Today is not an askasm yeah. day. No, not and, a bad day. And also like finding out different positions of like what I re- recently realized is that I love to have anal sex when I'm on top. Oh. Which I. Is it because like you can control it a little bit more? I think it's literally just because it also hits my clit. And oh, it's not, it's the angle is different. And so I think sometimes when I'm on my stomach, I also recently got a bed that is very extra squishy. And so Mm -hmm. I think that makes the angle a little too stabby from behind. Like when I, cause I love, I love, I also do love to be flat on my stomach. And when I was first getting into things, it was very, um, I loved being held down and like forced to do it. Cause Mm -hmm. for me, I also love like super dirty talk along with it. Oh yeah. And only my master is allowed air quotes to fuck my ass. And that's, that's his rule. And that's, Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's lovely. Cause also I don't want anyone to just be like, let me put it in, you know? Cause that's, oh, right. that's a lot of, uh, dudes get excited by just the taboo and the, the, let me, let me try it. But then they, then they want it even more when I'm like, you cannot. <laughs> yeah. And also that takes a lot of sensitivity and patience Yeah, and a lot of people don't know how to do it. And you have to fucking listen. Right. Like it's you not a thing really you can. have to listen. Yeah. And not just listen, but also you have to know how to read body language. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because sometimes if you're really deep in a space, especially if you're very deep in subspace, verbal communication gets really difficult. Oh my gosh. I had over the weekend, I saw my master for the first time in a few weeks because we broke up, but now we're seeing each other, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I was... Trying to say mercy, but I like didn't have words anymore. And I just looked at him and I was like, Boof, and I like <gasps> blinked and he knew, like he knew exactly because he pays such close attention to me. Yeah. He's like, is that a mercy? And I was like, Move. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so no, that's really fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. So I just want to take a step back to yeah. cock and ball torture. Mm-hmm. Will you just tell me some details around that? Because I look <sighs> in the magazines or like at the stock room and I look at the accoutrement, mm-hmm. I guess. And yes. I'm always just like, but what actually happens? Um, so one of the things that happens that I never did, um, I don't do any needle or knife play with anyone else. I do knife play with my partner, oh. but that's kind of a just us situation because, you know, both of us have had a full screening of everything. Mm-hmm. And I like I like tasting his blood Mm. from a wound that I create. Mm -hmm. And I just know that with him, it's safe to do that. And it's a very intimate thing because we actually did a little bit of light knife play like the very first time we had sex Mm. because one of his hobbies, he blacksmiths occasionally and he had blacksmithed his own knife. And I was like, oh, that's really hot. That's fucking cool. Yeah, really cool. So I never did that. But what I did do 
A lot of tying with twine or small ropes is involved. My favorite was just straight up having men on all fours and just kicking them in the balls. What? Oh, yeah. With shoes? Yes. <gasps> oh, of course. With shoes, sometimes without shoes, um, but a lot of time with shoes. And man, if you're having a bad day, having a dude pay you to kick him in the balls will really just oh like God. bring a ray of sunshine. In the naked balls. Yeah. There was this one guy in particular, he was in his 70s and he liked it. And and the thing is, as part of one of the rules in my sessions, whenever I dole out a punishment, mm-hmm. they have to answer, thank you, goddess. Yes. And, you know, whenever I ask them a question, they have to address me properly as yes. goddess. So most men, you know, they they answer in very, like, scared, oh, thank you, goddess. Oh, yes, yeah. thanks, goddess. And this guy, I'd be kicking him in the balls and then, you know, do a check-in. Yeah. And he would say, Oh, oh, why, thank you, goddess. I'm just like, God damn it. You can't be that chipper and like. (laughs) And getting tortured. Right. Oh my gosh, that's kind of amazing. And you know, he was a little older, so I was also kind of concerned about his health. So I had to check in with him a little more often. Totally. Um, Yeah. Just, you know, I don't want to leave anyone with permanent damage. That's not what I'm there Mm -mm, to do. mm -mm. But yeah, that is so fun. There were also a lot of men who had foot fetishes mm. and stomping fetishes, which is where I would literally, they would lie on their back on the floor and I would literally stomp on their genitals <gasps> with the heel of my shoe. A sharp heel? Yes. How did it, did it bleed? Sometimes, a little bit. Honestly, I was very, very careful with that and I took it very, very learn? slowly. Yeah. I am a pretty intuitive person. And I also went to massage school. So in massage school, they teach you a couple of things that usually mean the person is in pain. Mm. If they've been breathing at a regular pace and they stop breathing, Mm. it's usually a sign they're in pain. If one body part that you're not touching starts to move or clench, that's also another sign that they're in pain. Mm. So I would just really look at the client's body language, look at their face, and I made it very clear to them that if they said mercy, it would stop immediately. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you you kind of finesse it. You're like, your goal is not to say mercy. Right. Well, because I just also as a sub, I I know my words are there. Mm-hmm. I like feeling in control that way. And I want to see how long I can last. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to use my safe words if I don't absolutely have to. Exactly. And I'm not trying to make them use their safe right. word. I'm I trying to yeah. get them almost there. Yes. Which I think is, in my opinion, the best kind of doming because I, for me, it would not resonate. I am not, my preferred style is a dom that is paying attention, that's bringing me to my limits and Mm -hmm. helping me push those boundaries. But I don't think I would have any interest in being in a relationship with someone where they're like, I'm going to go until you have to use your safe word. And like, then they just kind of let loose. Like I, I would be afraid in that case. Right. No, exactly. Honestly, that sounds like the kind of dumb that is not interested in giving aftercare either. Yeah. Yeah. Which is all too common, unfortunately. Ooh, will you tell our listeners a little bit about aftercare? Because I actually haven't talked a lot about it. Sure. So aftercare is, after you do a scene, a scene is the popular word for having um, a sexual encounter that is very power-based. Aftercare is what the dom does for the sub when the scene is over, when you're sort of coming back down from the high, when you're coming back to who you are, like intense subbing is a 
very emotional experience. Mm-hmm. It can be very draining. It can be very blissful, but then eventually you have to come down from that high. And, you know, what happens when you're emotionally drained, you're physically tired, maybe you're shaky or you need some reassurance because a lot of times, you know, dirty talk can be very degrading. Yeah. And, you know, for me, when I'm subbing, I can only really sub with someone that I trust absolutely to take care of my body and also that I trust they respect me as a person in real life. Yes. Oh my God. I really, I need that. Yes. So physical comfort is usually a big part of aftercare, either wrapping them in a blanket and making them tea or just giving them snuggles or just holding their hand if that's what they need, creating a safe environment for them to be weak and vulnerable and shook up and also, you know, verbal affirmation and reassurances if they need it of just, wow, you did really great. I love you. I enjoyed that so much. Thank you for doing that with me. You know, you you get back to your actual relationship dynamic and not the sexual scene fantasy dynamic. Yes. And that's really important. Yeah. Was doming your first experience with power play? Did you, I feel like you said this. It was my first like deep dive. Okay. I had experienced power play before. I've always, me personally, I really love the sensation of being bound, being restricted. Me too. Um, I realized pretty early, I would say, God, maybe like when I was still in college, I don't know how, probably because my friends were like making fun of it and saying, oh my God, isn't this so weird? But we were talking about um, hentai tentacle porn. I don't know what that is. Wait, say it again. Hentai tentacle porn. Hentai tentacle. So um, in Japanese culture, the genitals in pornography is pixelated, which means that, you know, you can kind of see a fuzzy idea of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't actually see anything. So because you couldn't see anything, erotic anime animators wanted to find a way around that. So they started creating tentacle monsters where the ends of the tentacles were basically the heads of dicks. Oh my God. I love and, I kind of love that idea. Oh my God. And it like, it seems really weird at first, but like when I went on my own to watch it, something about it was really hot because it was always like with, you know, some waif of a girl, it's Japanese. So obviously mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. tiny little like thin anime character. I also tend to enjoy when I watch porn, which is not a lot. Mm-hmm. I usually read erotica, but mm-hmm. when I do watch porn, I usually either like it with, all women, or I like it with an element of non-consent. And so, you know, sometimes there are some videos where it can get a little much and then it shakes me up, but this is all like animation. Like this isn't actually happening to anybody. And also just, you know, like being bound and restricted and like being totally filled by this creature that's like impossibly stronger and bigger and is just overpowering you in every way possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there would always be this element of, oh, she doesn't want it, but she's really enjoying it. You can see that she's wet and things like that. Um, So uh, that like has appealed to me for a really, really long time. And when I'm, you know, either held down by several people or I'm bound by, you know, handcuffs or ropes or whatever, 
it sort of brings that feeling back mm-hmm. of like, oh, you can't do anything to stop this, but do you really want to stop it? Yes. I love that. that <laughs> and that resonates with me in a great way. Amazing. That's lovely. That's so lovely. Um, so, yeah. So that sensation had always, like, I always enjoyed it. Then the first person I was non-monogamous with, he had very intense um, dom tendencies, mm. which it didn't happen all the time. We enjoyed vanilla sex just as much. Oh, okay. This is what I would love to hear more about. Go on. Vanilla so sex? Vanilla, or? vanilla. Well, the in long-term partnership mm. with someone where sometimes you're kinky or sometimes you're not and mm. kind of what the back and forth is like for you um, or what your experience was like sure. in, that, in that relationship. I mean, it's in my current relationship too. I enjoy vanilla sex and I enjoy very kinky sex. How do you decide when you're doing what? Do you schedule it out or how does it, how does it work? <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I, like my only experience is with my master who is a married man. He's in an open relationship mm-hmm. with his wife, but they don't have sex. And so I've been seeing him and got super duper attached to him because mm-hmm. I really didn't know what I was getting into. Sure. And I love him deeply, deeply, deeply. But I took a break from seeing him for a couple months because it was I was feeling such strong feelings and I had to kind of redraw my own boundaries so I could, like, figure out what I was doing. And we have primarily kinky sex, but in, in the figuring out period, there was a little bit of, we called it cuddle fucking. So it was, like, still <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> so it's still aggressive. I still get choked the way that I like, but it's not the full session. It's not the right, full, it's like, just presentation. Elements. It's elements. Yeah. That's funny. One of, my, <laughs> one of my favorite subreddits when I'm in the mood for it is called struggle fucking. Ooh. Yeah. It's oh, I love that. Oh, it's great. Cuddle fucking. That's cute. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I think it really depends on where I am, what I need and where my partner is and what he needs, mm. because it takes a lot of confidence in yourself to be a dom. Yeah. And if you're not feeling yourself, if you're not feeling super like in your power yeah. as a man or a woman or anything in between, you know, it, Sometimes you need to be a little more taken care of Mm -hmm. or sometimes, you know, now like, you know, women's sex drive is a dial. It's not a switch. So sometimes I'm like already at a five, but sometimes I'm at a one. And even if I do want to have sex, like I'm not fully there and it's going to take me some time. Um, So sometimes in cases like that, I'll, I'll, I'll communicate to my partner. Hey, I kind of need you to take the lead here. Mm. And that can be the kickoff to him being more of a dom and me being more of a sub. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, sometimes in the middle of sex, I'll realize, oh, this is what I this is what I want right now. So, you know, he'll be holding my hand and I'll just move my hand up. So he's holding my wrist and like slightly push against him and he will look in my eyes to do a check mm-hmm. and I'll give him a nod, mm-hmm. which means this is what I yeah. want. And then, okay, holding down the hands, whispering dirty things into my ear, it kind of takes off from there. And then sometimes he's feeling a little shy or he's feeling a little insecure and he says, I need you to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so what normally happens there is I will blindfold him because when he's feeling self-conscious, a blindfold kind of helps get him out of his head mm-hmm. and really in his body. And then I will dom him from there. Um, and at this point we've been together so long that 
I know how to read his body. He knows how to read my body. I know what he likes. He knows what I like. Um, so if we're in the mood for pushing a new boundary, we definitely talk about it first. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, you need to go over what yeah. to expect. How far do we want to take this? What do we say if it's going too far or if maybe we change our minds? You know, when you're playing with really physically and emotionally demanding scenarios, you need to work out the safety. Mm-hmm. And not just for your partner, but for yourself. Absolutely. You need to be your own advocate. Yeah. And and it's great to have a partner that you can trust to read you, but you also need to verbally be able to say, here's where I am, here's what I need, here's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, as we got to know each other, we would slowly open up more of our fantasies and more of our kinks. Do you have any specific stories you can share around communication, like great successes or not so great successes? Oh, my like God, fails? yes. Oh, my God, yes. Oh. <laughs> the best fantasy fulfillment I have ever had in my entire life. So I read a lot of erotica. That's n- Oh yeah. What kind of erotica do you read? Because I want to learn more about reading erotica. Um, I go to xnxx.com and I go to the sex stories section. Okay. And they have user submitted sex stories on every subject you could okay. possibly imagine. Every themes. Some of them are like chapters that go on for like 20 episodes. It's like, it's nuts. But one of the stories that I found myself coming back to over and over again, the basic scenario is a woman on public transportation and a stranger bumps into her. And at first it's it's accidental, but then another bump happened and a hand lingers and then the hand starts to move and go places. And it's often from the, it's always from the point of view of the woman Mm. because it's like, oh my God, what is happening? Should I say something? Like, I don't know if I should say something. Wait, this is definitely happening. But like also, oh my God, like my pussy is getting wet and my heart is pounding Mm. and being turned on by this stranger just sort of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So I told my partner about this specific story, this specific fantasy that I'd read over and over and over again. He said, hey, that sounds really hot. We should try it sometime. So a couple years ago, we were vacationing in Europe and we were on a train that was going from Amsterdam to Berlin. And we were in a compartment all the way in the back of the train. So there were not a lot of people like walking by and we were in there alone. So... We'd been in there for a little while and then all of a sudden, like, I realized where we were and I was like, and I was like, hey, hey, honey. So, um, remember when I told you about that story and and he just like looked in my eyes and he said, okay, I'm going to go and you should sit over here and maybe I'll see you in a little bit. So he leaves I sit where he told me to sit and I'm like, you know, playing a stupid game on my phone and he comes back in with sunglasses on and he sits next to me and he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, it is fucking on. <laughs> and like before we got on the train, we got a little high. So I was like the perfect. Oh my God. High. That's amazing. And he just it, like, it took, he took his time 
which is exactly what I wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. It took him like an hour to go from sitting there and not touching me to like having his hand and like rubbing my clit through my jeans. Mm. Just from that, Mm. over my jeans, I came. Wow. And then he like forced my pants open and started rubbing my clit inside my panties. And I came two more times. Oh my God. Like I, I I was wet through my jeans. I was so like lost in it. And the whole time my heart was pounding and I like, I'm actually, I'm actually really surprised uh, that it was okay because every once in a while a person would pass by and, you know, he was sort of like (laughs) keeping, keeping an eye on the hallway. And there were definitely a couple people who saw like this huge, my, my partner is six foot six with like two foot wide shoulders. Like he's a big dude. So they would see this like huge guy next to this girl who's like looking kind of scared and confused, (laughs) but nothing (laughs) happened. It was fine. Um, and then, and then he like, after I came, I think four times, he like quick looked to see if anybody was coming and he pulled his cock out (gasps) of his jeans and just like pressed my mouth down onto it. And he came in like 20 seconds. Oh my God. That's so hot. It was so like ungodly perfect. Yeah. I, I, I've never had a more perfectly executed and hot fantasy fulfillment in my entire life. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very worked up right now just That's talking amazing. about I it. Don't, and just for our listeners, I was just staring with my mouth open. I was just like, uh. <laughs> um, so what a great, fantastic success! Oh my god, it That's was awesome. Everything I had ever wanted that scenario to be. Uh, it, yeah. That is so cool. Oh my God. He really just took it and ran with it. That's perfect. That's so perfect. Yeah. Yes. Guys, go live your fantasies. Oh my God. Talk to your partners about your fantasies because they can make them come true. I didn't really have fantasies that I had specifically thought about Mm. before I met my master. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just, well, okay. I guess when I was... (laughs) To go back to the tentacle thing, I definitely had some alien rape fantasies when, like, when I was young, before I had sex, before I really understood the, like, I mean, I knew what sex was, but before I, like, when I was young enough where I thought, oh, I hope someday when I'm a grown up, like, I have a great husband with great sex, you know, like, when I was in in that phase. Right, Because I was vaguely, conservative-ish background, vaguely religious. So that was, those were kind of my unformed ideas around sex. So the way that I could like enjoy the idea of it was like if I got abducted and then aliens did stuff to me. Right. I wouldn't have a choice. Oh, like experiment, like medical, that, that is also really hot. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Have you gotten to play out any medical fantasies or just any other specific stories for, for listeners? Just because that was such a good one. Like Um, what else is in there? Not for me, I've done like the the slutty nurse that takes mm. advantage of mm-hmm. the sick patient. Um, but another fantasy we got to indulge in. I dog sat for a friend of mine for like a month, and so when he came back, he paid me in cash, and it was like a thousand dollars in cash. <laughs> and my partner and I had talked about, you know possibly hiring a sex worker and seeing what that's like, which we did in Amsterdam Mm -hmm. and you know, how, how hot he found that, how hot I found it. So when I came home from being paid, 
I walked into the room and I was like, hey, look, I finally got paid. And he saw the money in my hand. He looked at me. I looked at him. And we both just like instantly knew what was happening. And so I was like, I'm going to go and come back. (laughs) So I closed the door and then I opened it. And I basically acted out the part of a sex worker that he had hired. And I said, "Um, hello, Joe? He's like, yeah, fake name. Yeah, I was like, oh, hi. You know, I'm I'm Lee. It's really nice to meet you. And he was like, I've never done this before. I'm kind of nervous. Oh, there's no need to be nervous. Um, And yeah. Oh, before I left the room, I had handed him the money, by the way. So he's like, well, here's the money. I was like, thank you so much. And we sort of just like went through it. That's awesome. So that was hot. And then another one that I really liked, we were in his childhood home in his childhood bedroom and kind of out of nowhere we just started pretending like we were two high school kids that had never really done anything and we had been (laughs) studying and he's like is this okay do you want me to do this I'm like yeah that that feels really good actually and that sort of naive exploring each other not sure what's okay and that was great. That is one. That is so full of like delicious play and imagination, and it sounds just so, I don't know, delicious, playful. Fun. Oh, it is. It, it 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 was. It's all like playful and fun. And what makes it better is that I I can just totally trust him. Mm. It's a yes. really really safe space for yes. me, and I know that even if I like move a certain way, he will stop and check in. Yeah. Be like, hey, is this you and me. Is this okay? Is this what you want? Do I need to change anything? Um, I love that. So, yeah. So sometimes they're not talked about beforehand and it's just, it's just one of those moments where as a couple, you both have the same idea at the same time Yeah. and you just kind of know and you go with it. And sometimes it's, it's talked out beforehand. Like we talked about threesomes. We talked about, um, a lot of times when I hook up with other men, he wants to see photos and videos mm. afterwards. He has his he has a little collection. Oh, that's lovely. It is great. So you guys don't experience jealousy issues. People will be wondering that. Oh, yes, we do. You do. Absolutely great. we do. And you're not a bad poly person if you if experience you jealousy. jealousy. Like that I don't know. I feel like anyone in an open relationship of any sort that tells you they've never felt jealousy, it's kind of like there are two kinds of people, people who masturbate and people that lie. Yeah. <laughs> you know They've what I mean? never felt jealousy. Right. Like, no. you know, or never felt insecurity or whatever. No. The point is not to not feel those feelings. The point is to not let those feelings control you mm. and not let those feelings dictate the truth. So rather than let yourself say this story in your head, you check in with your partner. You say, hey- I'm feeling some jealousy. Either here's where it's coming from or I don't know where it's coming from, but can we talk about it? And if your partner is not a shitty person, they'll be like, okay, thank you for telling me. Let's talk about it. Um, Are you scared of something? Are you angry about something? Is this coming up because of an issue we've had in the past or an issue you've had with someone else in the past? Or, you know, what, what, what is the worst possible scenario in your mind? And how can I reassure you that that's not what's going on? Mm. Um, so creating a safe space for your partner to not only feel their feelings, but also tell you what they are 
and not have you go on the defensive automatically and just sort of breathe. And if you have a reaction, acknowledge it and tell them in a respectful and reasonable way. And just like creating that circle of safety yeah, so that it's okay if you feel jealousy. In a similar vein, but to take it to another level, when you guys have threesomes or group sex, have you had group, have you had moresomes? Very much so. Great. What kind, if any, communication do you have around that beforehand, like when, like in the sexual sense? Are you kind of on the same page ahead of time or how does it work? Well, before we went to our first one, we were, we, we had been on a couple dates with this woman and she decided to host a party at her place for all the people that she was seeing or she found attractive. And that ended up being this like 17 person sex party. So like our first experience with anything more than four people was like 17. Oh my God. Um, so when we were going there, we were both really nervous. We weren't sure what to expect. We weren't even sure if it was going to happen. Um, but you know, we sort of generally stuck to the boundaries we already had going for our dating life, Mm -hmm. which was, Hey, you know, protected sex, but like, you know, you can go down on people. You can kiss people. You can have sex with people. Um, let's try to make sure we're near each other or check in with each other. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes you get carried away with things and you forget to check in, but like, it's always good to just shoot a look to your partner, shoot a look to your partner. I mean, little, you know, little hand signal. You okay? You okay? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of just decided to take things as they came Mm. Um, and then after that one, we said, okay, we now have a better idea of how we operate in this space. Let's be a little proactive about checking in more and let's be ready for the next one and the next one and the next one. And what ended up happening was a lot of times in situations like this, sometimes people aren't sure who should start or initiate. Um, so we will often initiate either just by having sex with each other or my favorite, um, toy that I use on other people is my flogger. And Mm. my flogger was bought for me by a slave. And I love it so much. And my partner used it a couple of times and loved it. And so he went and got himself a flogger. So we have his Mm. and hers floggers. Uh, So the way a lot of the, and these, the first party we went to, that ended up being kind of a regular thing for like a year and a half. Oh, fun. Yeah. She would continuously host events with a very, you know, personal curated guest list. Mm. Um, and the way things often got started was, you know, we would ask, Hey, anybody want to be flogged or, and see what it's like or whatever. And there were always volunteers. <laughs> how, how wonderful. So Imagine great. That. <laughs> um, so yeah, my partner naturally has very dominant presence in general. Mm-hmm. And so do I, especially in that space, because we ended up developing a very close personal relationship with the woman who owned the space. Mm. So we, it sort of turned into the three of us kind of hosting and being the leaders. Um, So yeah, we would just sort of take it upon ourselves to initiate people into the party. And then also we were very often the ones initiating people into new experiences, like women getting fucked by another woman with a strap on for the first time mm-hmm. and getting flogged for the first time, getting, you know, things like that. Amazing. 
Well, I feel like I could talk to you for several more hours, but we are, (laughs) we're over, we're coming up on an hour at this point. So I would like to ask you a couple closing questions. If you, it sounds like you had a really great upbringing. So normally my question is if you could go back to your little self and give a piece of sex advice, like what age and what would you say? So that, or to the broader world at large as well. But if if you have a specific thought, I would love to hear it. I think I'm probably going to say something that a lot of, a lot of women would want to say themselves, really check in with your body about what you enjoy and not what you think your partner enjoys or not what you think your partner thinks you enjoy. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes we can, I feel like women especially can get very caught up in being the fantasy Mm -hmm. and being the fantasy porn star. We're fetishized left and right. Absolutely. all, All over the place. Absolutely. And sometimes you can think, oh, this is really great. And I like that, that my partner is so into this, but it might not be what you want at that moment. Mm-hmm. And almost all of the bad sex I've ever had in my life has come from me not checking in with my body about what I really want and trying to want something that I think it would be the hottest to want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope for myself too, just not knowing, like just not, not even making a conscious effort to be like, what would be pleasurable? Like right. when I, when someone said that out loud, I was like, Oh, oh, this explains my sex life. Sure. Like often you just, you know, very often if you're the sub or you're the woman, your partner is the one who is taking the initiative and deciding this is what we're going to do now. And this is what we're going to do now. And this we're going to, and the only question is usually like, is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. And not, Hey, what stimulation do you like? Mm-hmm. Do you like it more on the clit? Do you like it more inside? Do you want more of a pushing motion or a rubbing motion? Yes. Do you want slower or faster? Like there's so many variations in ways that people want to be touched, but a lot of times you just don't even think about it. You just kind of go with what the other person seems to be doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would say don't be afraid to say what you want because if your partner has a problem with you saying what you want, you probably shouldn't be fucking them. Yes. That's a wonderful ending place. Oh my God. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming onto this Absolutely. show. I am so excited for people to hear your episode. I'm so excited. God, I barely remember what I said. I'm excited to hear I my feel, episode. There's so, much, there's so much more too. I said uh, a lot of things. Maybe we can have you back for a follow-up in like six months or something too. See, see where things are. I'd be happy to. That would be awesome. It's just a wealth of knowledge here. You're a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of wonderful, thoughtful knowledge.